after these messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After These Messages. This is the podcast where we talk about commercials. We talk about the good ones. We talk about the bad ones. And we talk about the ones where people say weird shit like this. People expect more from my teeth because my husband's a dentist. (laughs) Okay. You come a long way, baby. My name's Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Haz. Hey, Veeves. Hi, Andrew. And we have a special guest joining us today because we have an episode based around time travel. And we have our time-traveling buddy. He's been on the show several times. Uh, you probably don't know him best from after these messages, though. He's a co-host of the Greatest Generation <laughs> podcast. You know him. Well, actually, let me say his name, and he can list all of his uh, accomplishments. His name is Benjamin Harrison. Hey, Ben. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. What do you... What's your... <laughs> What's your deal now? I mean, you have you have the Friendly Fire podcast that's coming out, but that's not in production yet, is it? It is in production. It is not out yet. Or right, uh, Friendly yeah. Fire is is my new show that I'm doing with uh, Adam Pranica, who is my co-host on The Greatest Generation, and John Roderick, who is a uh, podcaster and uh, probably best known as the frontman of the Long Winters, a rock group. Yes, very, um, very uh, well known, and I think especially our neck of the woods here in in Seattle definitely. and uh, and yeah. amongst our ill. He was King Neptune or whatever. <laughs> Wait, what is that? I don't know. There, I, uh, there's some like fair in Seattle, and he was the king of it oh, last year. Oh, no, Seafair. He was yeah, the king that's of the C- one. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know. even know. First of all, that Seafair has a king. Uh, but it would make sense that it would be John Roderick, is I it, guess. Is it Captain or is it Admiral? What is the leader of Seafair called? <laughs> I think he's called King Neptune. You're, he really, it is King Neptune, huh? I didn't know Until that. he has to give the strap to whoever they pick next year. Do you think it'll be any of us? <laughs> I think uh, I think either of you could could easily be a an important figure in, in Seafair. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you're like the... The, uh, you know, second place with a bullet for most famous people from Seattle. (laughs) Fantastic. And he's talking to you. That I'm personally friends with. I'm number three. (laughs) Um, uh, Welcome to the West Coast. We should mention you, uh, I think every other time you joined us on the show, you were a New Yorker. Now you're in La La Land. Now you're an Angelino. Now I'm an Angelino. A, uh, <laughs> a, 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 a grudging a, Angelino? <laughs> a, a begrudging Angelino, yeah. Is that true? How begrudging? Yeah. Yeah, I want to live in New York, but uh, we uh, we decided for uh, career and family reasons to move to L.A. So oh. Here we are. Well, welcome to the West Coast anyway, you grump. Um, and the, the reason, another reason <laughs> Enjoy I Enjoy all that sunshine. <laughs> Poor you. Another reason I was stumbling over your introduction, and, and Genevieve, I know that you're more up on this than I am, but you, f- so The Greatest Generation was a podcast where you guys, you and Adam watched every single episode of um, Star Trek The Next Generation and then broke broke them down but now yeah, and now we are doing yeah. deep space nine it's still still in production it's not a it's not in the past tense andrew okay and it is and and but you haven't changed the name of it even though greatest gen was a reference to the other series that's all i was confused about yeah we're calling it the greatest generation colon deep space nine good perfect i'm glad i mean um, for branding reasons you'd really be i think it would be a pretty dubious call if you decided to change the name of your popular podcast yeah, we like the name, you know? Yeah, no, it's a so. great name. It's my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just listen to that first 30 seconds for the name, and then you're perfectly satisfied and turn it off. That's all I need. All right, well, let's talk about, uh, after these messages for a second, if we can get done talking about your podcast for two seconds, Benjamin. <laughs> we are here to talk about commercials. And uh, Well, I'm a big f- fan of your show, and I was listening in... I think it was in August that uh, you guys said something on air about wishing you could find an old VHS tape of commercials, mm-hmm. and it like hit me like I have that tape. Yeah, I, that's a story that I always tell. That I used to have like this VHS of uh, 
I think it was the pilot to uh, Quantum Leap, and we would watch it at <laughs> least once a year on vacation. And I wish I had that uh, that VHS tape so I could go back and watch all the commercials that were in between all of the oh boys, uh, which was a really bad imitation of the guy from Quantum Leap. Um, so how how do you have this tape? How did you find yourself with a tape full of old commercials? I was I was looking for old tapes of like home movies I made as a kid because I grew up making like my own version of a detective movie or my own version of of Star Trek or whatever with my little friend we would like I would like go over to his house and we would borrow his parents camcorder and shoot shoot videos that we like you know we'd had we had to shoot it in order because (laughs) we didn't have the ability to edit or anything And so I found this tape that I was like, this is the Star Trek movie that we worked on for weeks when I was like seven. And uh, it turned out that at some point, like in 1997, somebody had taped a movie off television called The Raffle onto it. And uh, The Raffle is a movie that is based around the premise of two out-of-work men coming up with a money-making promotion to find the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> That's the premise of the film, guys. That sounds more like a 2017 premise. S- that- <laughs> Starring one, Mark Hamill. Oh, really? Yep. Yes. Yeah, Mark Hamill has a, has a part in it. It's, um, it's not a good-looking film, <laughs> at least in the uh, scrambled VHS copy that I have. Uh, and I didn't really watch it, but it looks pretty pretty dreadful (laughs) you wouldn't describe the production quality as lush no no well i'm really sorry to hear well okay well i'm personally happy that you accidentally stumbled on a bunch of old commercials just for my own satisfaction and for the purposes of this podcast but i'm sorry that uh it's just lost to history now forever huh you're the the first movie you ever made or one of the first films you ever taped yeah i don't think that I don't think that uh, it's going to be considered that big a loss from a historic standpoint. <laughs> but from a personal standpoint? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I was curious to see it. I mean, those things are never that good, though, you know. So I, what year did you record? Um, did you record, what's it called, the lottery? The raffle. The raffle. The raffle. Um, what, what year is this? So we're pretty sure that this is vintage 1997 uh, crap. TV from you know like like probably aired like on a Sunday afternoon on channel 44 which was UPN the United Paramount Network at the time in the Bay Area you digitized this tape you got rid of all of the hashtag content and we're now just <laughs> left with all of the hashtag commercials right and so we're gonna go through and uh, watch the commercials it's about 15 minutes worth of commercials uh, Veeves and I sat down and watched them all last night. You have compiled your own list, and uh, I'm thinking this might be the first in a whole series of Time Machine oh, yeah. episodes we could do. So this is, after these messages, Time Machine 1997. Let's go back in time, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> This was not the number one song of 1997. But it should have been. <laughs> but it should have been. <laughs> it was in the top It is the 20. song that you use as the music cue in the movie to set it in 1997. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Or in this case, the podcast. Um, so let's go over your commercials first, Ben. Uh, you sent us a list, but I'm going to let you pick. Which one of these 1997 commercials should we begin with? Well, I sent, I sort of put them just in in the order that they're on the tape. Okay. Um, so the first the first one that I pulled out was a Wheaties commercial. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if I can jump in, when we were watching this yesterday, I said to Genevieve, "What happened to Wheaties commercials? Doesn't it seem like Wheaties was a brand that was almost as famous for its product as it was for its ad campaigns? You know, you." Got to eat your Wheaties. And like being on the Wheaties box was a sort of a yeah. a coup for a major athlete. Yeah, like like now it's like being on the cover of Madden. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and now like I can't. <laughs> maybe it's just the TV I'm watching, but I cannot tell you the last time I've seen like a new Wheaties commercial. You guys, am I off base here? 
I don't watch a lot no, of Saturday not. morning TV, which is when I would kind of think that mm. would be on. Although it's not a kid's <laughs> cereal. So, no, I don't know. I don't know if they even do any ads now. Hmm. I don't know if I've seen a box of Wheaties for sale in a long time. I don't know. The internet says it's still the breakfast of champions and it's still a, a going concern, <laughs> but... It still it still retains that title. Okay. Nobody has nobody has knocked it off the <laughs> exactly. breakfast, breakfast of champions podium. That's right. Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone's tried. Maybe maybe there's an opportunity here for a for a young up and coming cereal. I don't know. See, that's how dumb I am because I always thought it was just a. I thought that was just a marketing slogan. I didn't realize that these com- these uh, cereals no, it's actually officially, competed. It's an officially conferred title. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did you hear yeah. that um, Russian cornflakes are not allowed to compete? <laughs> That's what we call very topical. We, we like to bring topical humor mm. to this podcast so that people will be confused 10 years from now when they don't listen to it. Um, all right. Why did you pick this one out of the, let's say, what do we have to choose from 25 to 30 commercials? What stood out about the Wheaties one? Well, there's two things that really stand out about it. So the premise of the commercial is that they are giving bowls of Wheaties to people at an NFL game and seeing <laughs> what their reaction is. Right. And so it's kind of like a you know man on the street, uh, these are real people reacting commercial. And I know you guys have been talking a lot about those, uh, I guess they're Chevy commercials where the like yes. smarmy jerk is, uh, is uh, giving people giving people grief about not owning Chevys or whatever. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's putting people into increasingly um, like Byzantine and bizarre scenarios where they suddenly have to confront some preconception that they allegedly had about Chevys. It's going to be... Yeah, like right now it's pick your favorite friend. In like six months it will be stab your mom. You guys are right. It didn't even occur to me we're going in a total saw direction with this. <laughs> Two people wake up chained to a toilet and they the first one to get loose gets a free Chevy. A TV turns on in the corner and it's the Chevy guy. <laughs> real people, real deaths. All right. Um, yeah. so I'm going to hit I'm going to hit play on this to get some of the audio. What better place than an NFL game to ask people about the taste of Wheaties, the breakfast of champions? Well, you can really taste the whole wheat. I like it. I like the taste. <laughs> I like it. I like the taste. Sorry, I just wanted to pause to like, drink that in. Taste. They've got a toasted whole wheat flavor. Very good. Crunchy. Real good. Can I have another bite? <laughs> These have got a crunchy, toasted taste to them. Run home and buy a box of Wheaties for me and my kids. Try the championship <laughs> taste of toasted whole wheat Wheaties. You better eat your Wheaties. Hey, that's my line. Oh, little Michael Jordan appearance at the end there. Yeah, uh, and that music you you heard right there on the end is the is the bumper music that the UPN Sunday Movie uh, Show used, and uh, it, it, like it's, it's one of those riffs that's like ultra nostalgic to me. Like it is a it is a ballistic missile guided at my nostalgia. <laughs> I was thinking that we could use that to transition between the commercials. <laughs> is that the stinger you're talking about? That's the one. Oh, man. I could just picture the little session musicians, you know, whipping off that riff. Um, I love this one. It really, like, sets it in a time and place. Like, it's a, it's like NFL football game in chicago like you see the chicago skyline but they don't they never say uh, like specific team or anything and everybody's framed so that you can't see the logos mm-hmm. it's just nfl game mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably not even that right for licensing yeah. probably not even nfl no i think i think they i think there is an official nfl tie-in oh there is okay there's some there's some logos there but uh yeah like everybody is uh Everybody's got real '90s haircuts, and uh, yeah. you're right. They show it's the sh- they show fun. the NFL flag, but what they don't show is any Bears, yeah, uh, logos. Um, let me ask you guys this: I would love to just spend a half hour on each of these commercials, but we're in a little bit of a time crunch, so we should probably move on. Uh, but I need to ask you guys: put yourself in this situation. You are going <laughs> to just let's say an NFL game in Chicago. Who knows what the teams are, but you're going to an NFL game in Chicago. And then somebody hands you a bowl of cereal with milk and a plastic (laughs) spoon, and they say, will you eat this and then talk to me about it? What's your reaction going to be? I'm going to (laughs) pass. 
buddy, I've got 12 Miller Lights in me right now. <laughs> I eat a bowl of cereal. It is not going to be pretty. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to decline as well. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, next on your list. Oh, this one. I am dying to find out why this next one is on your list. It's a a mac and cheese commercial. Yeah, I mean, there's not much uh, audio to it. It's just kind of a a voiceover and and beautiful cinematography of... Of uh, macaroni and cheese yeah, being they prepared. Re- they really linger on that liquid cheese. Yeah, it's a real yeah. sensual mac and cheese <laughs> commercial, I would say. Actually, I'm gonna play. A, I'm gonna play a little bit of it, and maybe Vives, you can help with the visuals a little bit. So it's really focusing on like the pastas falling into the metal pan, the water's boiling. We're seeing like hands clenching in anticipation. God, this is sensual. I feel like this I'm talking about porno. Then the then like the. And it is exactly, underlined exactly, the way you crave love and desire macaroni oh, and cheese, but with half the fat. So you take your fork and inhale it. Yeah. Good move. It's like that's as too... sensual as like a chocolate commercial. Yeah, it's too sexy for mac and cheese. I think that what struck me about this was also the light uh, product. Like there was, oh, yeah. there was this period in the 90s where every... Everything in the grocery store had a like an alternative version that had a green colored box. Yes. <laughs> it was like, you know, there's like Oreos and Oreos light or <laughs> or you know, mac and cheese and mac and cheese light. And uh and like I don't really see that in the grocery store that much anymore, but it was like a total phenomenon for a while. It was back before people understood I mean, not that we're great about it now, but I think back then you could get away with calling something light by you take out some of the fat, but you add in a lot of sugar, um, but you could pass it off as light by, but you you pull down on one lever, pull up on some other taste lever, and then you like get away with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But now I think people get it that like carbs are the killer. So you sort of have to either be low carb or not be low carb. Yeah. Yeah. Like the idea that eating some macaroni and cheese right. is a diet choice is like <laughs> totally mad. Absolutely. There's no scenario in which that's true. I'm going to make a really sexy commercial for diet mashed potatoes. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Um, well, but I, I also agree that it is like way, way too sexy for <laughs> like, com- like a commercial for food that you eat like when you're home alone yeah you know? <laughs> your partner is is out with their friends and you're like i'm gonna watch a movie and eat some mac and cheese yeah it's like heavily suggesting what kind of movie you should be watching why do these <laughs> mac and cheese people geniuses ad wizards keep on bringing sex into the commercials what was that one that was airing like two years ago when we started this podcast genevieve where the guy's in the lunchroom at work eating oh, God, macaroni that and is cheese awful. and then he's like talking dirty to his macaroni yeah, and cheese and he, spanking there's it. There's some macaroni and cheese commercial where the guy does like <laughs> he legitimately I mean it's played for laughs whereas this was not Mm-mm. but it's yeah he he talks dirty to his mac and cheese gets caught by a coworker, and then yeah somehow ends up like spanking the mac and cheese. I mean it was we were not the only people to say hey this is not okay. Yeah I wonder if that one's even around anymore. All right, uh, let's let's move on because I'm dying to talk about this next one. <laughs> I only like it more the more we do it. This yeah. commercial is on both of our lists. Um, this is a commercial for Saturn, the erstwhile car company. And Ben, am I assuming that you grabbed this one, or at least it grabbed your attention for the same reason it grabbed ours, the spokesperson? Yeah, yeah. I mean... The spokesperson is is a big part of it, and also I I, uh, I felt biased toward grabbing products that no longer exist. Yes, yeah. There was another one, by the way, just to jump ahead. There was another one. Um, it was a dog food commercial, Mighty Dog, which I thought for sure didn't exist anymore. But I looked it up. Apparently, Mighty Dog is still a thing. It probably got oh, wow. bought by some like major conglomerate that just yes. didn't put any ad dollars behind That's it. That's what I think. I think it's Purina now or something. But uh, the spokesperson for this particular Saturn ad is none other than, I'm blanking on Jim his Gaffigan. name. Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> Let's take a listen. We just sent our first Saturn to Japan. And as we celebrate our partnership with our friends in the East, we're offering what we call the 24,000 yen lease. 
easily one of the most competitive around. And as you can see, 24,000 yen isn't all that much. In fact, it's a pretty swell offer. So stop by your local retailer. Give them a hug. Tell them you're happy we're going to Japan and check out the lease. It's easy. Just make sure they put the steering wheel on the right side. I mean, left side. You know what I mean, right? You're really gaffigating it up. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he uh, and he was their spokesperson for a cam- for more than one commercial, so he did a whole campaign for them. And nobody really knew who he was then. No, right? I don't think he was a well known name at all. I think he would have probably this would probably have been his biggest credit at the time. Yeah, it's one of those and, like if you kind of Google Jim Gaffigan and Saturn, and you get a lot of stories like top ten actors that started their career right. before they or before they were famous kinds of places <laughs> kinds of things, you know. But it's this ad yeah. is really instructive because. Um, the whole history of Saturn is interesting. Like GM was and the big three in Detroit were just getting hammered by like Toyota and Honda and all the Japanese makes. And they're the Japanese kind of cars were so different. They were like super economical and not, no, no flashy features, but they were like uh, affordable. And I mean, you know, all the things that we sort of associate with with Toyota and Honda. And, and it was so different from the way American car makers were making cars. So in like the early 80s, GM had this like super secret project where they sort of started a car company from inside GM, but that was like starting from the ground up, like no, like like creating a car company like as if you'd never heard of car companies. And that turned into Saturn. And it was a phenomenon. I don't know, Ben, you probably would. I'm a little, we're a little older than you, but like Saturn was a total phenomenon. There was so much coverage of it. And so the yeah. fact that they're sending these Saturns, like that that commercial was all about sending Saturns to Japan mm-hmm. because the Saturn was created to compete with Japanese cars is really like a, like that's the reason that's so meaningful in that narrative. And I remember the commercials uh, being, um, and I'm going to play another one here in a moment that was uh, more earnest, but it had a similar message about sending our cars to Japan. It doesn't have Gafkin in there. And that's what I remember from those early Saturn days was, there's a whole new kind of car company, but they were like almost schmaltzy with the like, we are a company. Was there some sort of like buy-in, employee buy-in or something? It, it was like this, we're a family. And- yeah, it was a different kind of decision-making and very consensus-driven. But what were you going to say, Ben? Well, I was just, uh, I, I definitely watched this and was reminded of the context that there was tons of political maneuvering around the trade deficit at the time. Mm. And, like, the idea of importing foreign cars became really cha- charged politically at, uh, in, the, in the 90s. Like, it was, like, a really big deal for some people to only buy American cars. Yeah. I want to play yeah. one of the more earnest ones. And, again, you'll hear this is part of the same campaign, which is getting the message that we're an American car company and we're sending our cars to Japan. Only this one isn't funny with Gaffigan. This is the type I remember more. On March 16th, folks from Saturn got up a little earlier than usual. See, it was our chance to watch the cars we built here arrive on the other side of an ocean. I'm going to mention this is like a a gathering of like hundreds of Saturn employees all together watching on TV screens as the Saturns are unloaded uh, on the other side of the globe. Ten years ago, we all knew it was a risk building a new American car. It was pretty much sink or swim. I guess you could say we just swam all the way to Japan. My problem is I don't think it's um, self-serious enough (laughs) or earnest enough. (laughs) Can you imagine now? This narrative would be so bonkers today. Like if if a company was like trying to elicit tears and, and choking people up over the fact that they exported to any some other country around right. the globe like it's just a different economy and a, it's just a global economy in a totally different way now yeah and this idea yeah. like let's get the kids and let's hold our babies close as we go to this work event yeah yeah <laughs> i owned a yeah, saturn i mean yeah at the same time it's like it's still kind of an issue like i was just at the la auto show uh shooting some video for a company and i uh happened to be in the bmw booth when they were rolling out a bunch of new model, models of BMW and they were really flogging the fact that they've invested like $8 billion in some manufacturing plant in South Carolina. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, that I is think, like an important part of the message for the, for a car company. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing that there's some, especially now in the Trump era, like there's some cachet or or some um, currency in telling people that something is giving American workers jobs. So I get that part of it, but it's just it, this feels like so. Um, so innocent and naive in a way like it just it was just a different time and in, in like our understanding of globalism and and import export like i but i totally see your point that like especially for a for a something that like like a car where it's made in the usa and it's really we're talking about like a lot of good paying jobs uh that south carolina bmw plant and i remember when they when they when south carolina won that uh uh, contract or whatever. I think it was because, like, basically South Carolina uh, became a right to work state, and mm-hmm. you don't have to ever have to unionize there. That's why Boeing's there now, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. I have, of course, as always, have more to say about that, but I will move on for time's sake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, I think we have to talk about. Well, I think we have to very briefly talk about this Tombstone ad, only because it was on both of our lists, and I don't have tons to say about it other than, the fuck? Like, what was... <laughs> like, Tombstone ads from the very beginning seem like a problematic campaign, right? So they named their pizza Tombstone, and then, <laughs> and then their slogan is, what's on your tombstone? Right. They just pick, like, a horrible thing that's like... Our pizza, our product is named Death March. Right, yeah. right. Build a build a campaign around that, I guess. Well, let's get this like old west font. So I guess <laughs> it's like because Tombstone Arizona has such a great reputation for pizza. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's the pizza party capital of the country or the world. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. So what they do in this campaign is they um, put people in these weird scenarios, like you said, Tombstone. At least at the beginning, it had it evoked the old West, right? But in this commercial, it's like two. I think one of them is Australian. They're like two explorers in the jungle. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the piss helmet, and it sort of has like a jungle kind of heart of darkness quasi vibe to it. And it starts off fucked, and it ends even worse. Like this is crazy. <laughs> so let me set up what happens here at the beginning. As we join our characters, one of the adventurers is almost up to his neck in quicksand. The other guy has a rope around the quicksand guy, and he's clearly lowering him into the quicksand because for some reason they're enemies or he wants him to talk for some reason. (laughs) And so he's lowering his either uh, former companion or maybe just his, uh, I don't know, enemy into this quicksand. Nothing sells pizza like murder. (laughs) I know. It's just like, just from the very get-go, it seems questionable. And then this one in particular seems, I don't know. Well, I guess the word I would use is confused. Now, give me the map. Never. Never? No. (laughs) Oh, I see. So the one wants a map that the other one has. All right. Never? No. (laughs) Then what do you want on your tombstone? The crust that rises, definitely. Oven rising pizza from Tombstone. <laughs> Listen to that tonal difference of the music. Then suddenly it becomes like this heavenly. Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm not a hundred percent positive, but I think that the actor, the one who's in the quicksand, is an, is a character actor. He's he's sort of recognizable. I think he's a yeah. character actor named Oliver Muirhead, and he t- he sort of tends to play like pompous British gentleman. Mm. So he's, I guess, typecast here. Okay, so that's the scenario. One explorer is killing the other explorer over a map. The other one is thinking about pizza. Okay, that's bizarre, but I guess I'm along for the ride. Sure, it's like twist. Right. Now we're in the part where the voiceover guy just shows us pictures of pizza cooking in the oven and describing how tasty it is. And then they come back for a button Mm -hmm. at the end, which I guess I'll play first and then we'll try to explain. The crust bakes up right in your oven for a fresh baked one-of-a-kind tombstone taste. What do you want on your tombstone oven rising pizza? Towel? No. Okay, what happened there, the listeners want to know. (laughs) At the end, now both explorers 
are levitating. They're like sitting cross-legged. Well, no, just just the just our hero oh, is oh, levitating. Oh, just the hero is levitating. He's the levitating. Other guy is still... he's, he's sitting sort of uh, cross-legged with his hands on his knees as he's meditating. He's now floating above the quicksand. And even though we were in a jungle scene before, now we've got like snake charmer music, sort of Middle Eastern vibe. I see. I thought the other one was floating too. He's just sitting on a rock. Right. So he's up a little bit higher. But yes, yeah, yeah. suddenly we have this Moroccan music with with the guy levitating outside of the quicksand. Sure. Why not? He's levitating and also eating a piece of pizza. Yes. <laughs> so he didn't just escape from the quicksand. He also got the pizza he wanted. So I guess... The takeaway is the pizza will get you out of a dilemma? You know, I think Edward Said <laughs> and his and author of Orientalism would have some <laughs> things to say about this commercial. <laughs> and that's all I got yeah. from my master's degree. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth, worth it. every penny. All right, I think we got to talk about... Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We can't move on yet. <laughs> I, I think we got to talk about these fast food commercials now, right? There's two of yeah. them. One of them is a McDonald's commercial. Ben, I'm out of words, man. You got to you got to explain this McDonald's commercial. So this commercial, discovering that this was on this tape was very special for me <laughs> because I had like a very memorably awkward moment in college where I was like at a party or something and we were standing around talking about old commercials like you know just like it was just like the topic of conversation at some point and I was like yeah you remember that one McDonald's commercial where the guy can't he can only say things twice <laughs> and it was like the record scratched and the whole room <laughs> turned and looked at me and I was like nobody nobody remembers this commercial I certainly did like I don't think I'd ever seen this before it was. I think that this is a local Northern California McDonald's commercial. Is my theory oh. on this? Um, but I don't. I don't like. I have nothing to corroborate that other than that. Like at this point in history, like YouTube was available. So and I, and there were old commercials on it, but this wasn't on it for a long time. And I just convinced myself that maybe I imagined this commercial. And then I was like, this is exactly the, like this commercial. You could not get away from it for like six months in my childhood. It is seared into my memory. I need like frame broiling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's Burger King. Yeah. yeah. I need you to now explain this commercial because it's going to be tough. A lot a lot of what makes this special is the fella who's in it and his look. Yeah. So I would describe him as kind of like the 90s conception of a hipster, like the Cosmo Kramer style mm -hmm. hipster. Yes. Uh, he's he's walking down the street and the voiceover is about this guy being called Eddie the Echo and he can only ever say anything twice and winds up being a advertisement for a sandwich that uh, has the capacity to cure somebody like this. Can we just take a quick uh, look at his clothing here? Because it is really special. He's wearing like slacks, like tan slacks, but they are so oversized. They're very baggy, very 90s so baggy. baggy. Yeah. And then like a, a white you know, button down, untucked. So again, it is very Cosmo Kramer. That's very Kramer. -like. And then what appears to be a sort of wind, not wind, like a windbreaker, but kind of like a jacket that's over that. It's like a sh a shirt jacket. Yes, but it's yeah. But also, it sort of is this. It's a slightly different but similar brown to the pants. And he's also ungainly in his. Uh, I mean, that's not you know, that's just nature. But he's he's sort of too tall. Well, it's also for, casting. I mean, you know, I, but I just don't want to be mean. But right. he's he's very tall and somewhat ungainly. And then he is wearing like like what we would now consider to be like now they're not hipster glasses, but like ten years ago they were. They kind of chunky black yeah. glasses. Now now hipster glasses are what like the what Ted Bundy wore or no not Ted Bundy. <laughs> um, what's the serial killer movie? Oh, Dahmer. Oh, Dahmer. Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer glasses. That's the new cool thing now. And before I hit play on this, Ben, you're the filmmaker. Um, there's also something about kind of the hue, the kind of the, the color tone of the way this is shot. It's almost as if everything is shot through a veneer of his brown pants, sort of. <laughs> it's like just this side of sapia tone, right? Yes, it's so yeah. brown. 
it's very brown. It's like I think that it's sort of a nostalgia thing because it's this like small town where everybody knows each other, and there's like old guys working at the newsstand that he says hi to as he walks by. Like it's this kind of like platonic ideal of small town America. Mm-hmm. But then when he goes into the McDonald's, I feel like the the color palette shifts a little bit, and it's more like reality. Hmm. Okay. Let's let's hit play on this. There it is again. <laughs> I like the fact that you left that bumper in at the beginning and end of any of, the, of these commercials that you could. Now I understand. <laughs> now I understand your thought process a little bit. All right, here's the commercial. There's a guy in our town we call Eddie the Echo. How you doing? How you doing? He always says everything twice. Looking good. Looking good. You demand. You demand. Little hungry. Little hungry. So he goes to McDonald's. Eddie, I think I have something you're going to like. She tells him about the new McDouble for just 89 cents with lettuce, tomato, and two all-beef patties. Sounds good. Sounds good. So Eddie tries a McDouble, and something amazing happens. How you doing? What? The new McDouble at McDonald's. You're right. Once he eats the burger, the sapia tone, for lack of a better word goes away and the color palette kind of opens up a little bit. I guess we are ignoring the fact that there's some real obvious uh, kind of good fellas overtones here as well, right? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really all over the map. Like that kind of disco beat yeah. is right. is so is such a weird like idea of what a cool guy would be like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I agree with you that it, it's trying to pull on some sort of some kind of nostalgia, but it's picking from random points, ra- random nostalgic uh, categories, and then just m- mashing them all together. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking with this one. It has. Did you like? Do you remember liking it, or is it just that it was ubiquitous? I th- I I don't know that I loved it. I mean, I think that I think it was like one of those commercials where it was like. I I cannot stand this. I've seen it so many times <laughs> yeah. at, at a certain point. Um, I, it also like watching it again just now struck me that it has no internal logic. Mm-mm. Like the <laughs> like the voiceover at a certain point is like in conversation with the characters, but it doesn't. It's not like justified <laughs> in any way. Also, it's never clear who who is this guy who lived in Eddie the Echo's town. What's his relationship to Eddie? Y- yeah, like, why is he telling us about this guy? <laughs> and also, like, is he related to Jimmy Two Times from Goodfellas? Jimmy Two Times. <laughs> oh, that, you're that right. Nickname because he said everything twice. Like, I'm gonna go get the papers. Get the papers. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual scene from Goodfellas. I, you know, I yeah. I remember that, but I honestly thought it was like a Mister Show. Because Mister Mister Show has a joke where it's like Johnny one time and he only says everything <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> he refuses to repeat himself. If nobody, you hoid me. <laughs> this commercial really—I uh, mean, there's no way this wasn't so, because this guy is walking down the street back in the commercial now, and he's kind of like you mentioned. It's kind of harkens back to old times, but he's also kind of like making kind of finger guns yeah. and eye contact with kind of oh, old a, Italian guys on the way to the McDonald's. Shit show. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's also like a perfect. 90s shit show though yeah. don't you think like no, th- this commercial really captured everything i think we we're going for <laughs> with this tape you found the the i remember that the longer version of this commercial when he orders what? the hamburger oh, uh, no. the the girl behind the counter says fuck you pay me <laughs> Am I a and then joke they cut to, to the you? back and they're slicing the the uh, tomatoes <laughs> deli thin. They want a Cleo for that. Yes, <laughs> they did. They're smashing tomatoes and they're saying, "Not in my casino." All right. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, before we move off of this commercial, there was this commercial and there is also one for Burger King that is not worth playing for time. I think we can just explain. I think it's a classic. Burger King commercial, but what struck me about it was the price points. While we were watching these last night, I had a theory, and I don't know, Genevieve, you ended up researching this. You can tell me if I was right or wrong, but fast food is so cheap today. I feel like there are still dollar menus and things you can get for so cheap, and I was noticing 
that some of these fast foods that were being advertised in 1997 seemed like in real dollars were more expensive back then than they are now. Well, happily, there is a real dollar calculator. And I calculated from the 1997 price and then updated it to what would that be in 2017 real dollars. So the McDonald's ad that we just saw advertised the double, the McDouble as being uh, 89 cents. Okay, that's ridiculously cheap. It's very cheap. <laughs> that would be $1.37 today in real dollars. A McDouble Man. today, which I was not even aware you could still buy. It I may not know be, it was a thing. Yeah. It may be that it's priceless because you can't buy it for love or money, but it's still listed on some <laughs> menus, and it's $1.39, so it's only two more cents. Oh, wow. So it's been pretty consistent. Wow. All right, so that's that. But the one that actually seemed more expensive to me wasn't the $0.89 cents McDouble, whatever the hell that is, <laughs> um, but the, uh, let's see, Double Whopper being advertised for Burger King in 1997 for $3.49. Yeah, so this is for the meal deal, for the Double okay. Whopper meal deal for which you get a double whopper uh fries and a drink oh i think i thought it was just the burger no the burger is only okay. like 2.99 okay but let me tell you i did the math on this and i thought it was going to come up much closer that was 3.49 in 1997 in real dollars that would be 5.36 but you can still get that meal deal for seven dollars and 59 cents so it was actually a pretty great deal. You should have, you should have <laughs> jumped was. on that. Yeah, yeah. Or they're or they're cranking the price up on us too much. So in two thousand seventeen dollars, they were selling the double whopper for five dollars and thirty six cents back right. in ninety seven, and now they're selling it for seven dollars for more than two dollars more. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I still prefer Burger King though. Well, mm. they know they've got you over a barrel, and that's where you're. That's where that seven dollars and fifty nine cents is. Uh, You'll part ways with it. <laughs> I, 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 gladly. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, Ben, I know we're kind of running a, a little bit uh, low on time here, but what else is on your list? Anything else that you got to get off your chest? I'd say that the one, if I, ha- if I had to pick one that I just would be crushed if we didn't talk about is the ad for Pert Plus, <laughs> the uh, combination shampoo and conditioner. Uh, and uh, this one uses uh, MVP Mike Piazza as their as their spokesperson. <laughs> Famous uh, Met, I think New York Met. Uh, he might be a Yankee. I, I he's got an LA hat on in this, but I I remember I think he was even on the A's at some point. Okay, well let's um, let's take a quick. I actually know he was on the A's. I think because he was one of the people in Moneyball that like got them to like go try the metrics thing. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you guys look that up. We're going to listen to this commercial, and then I want to know why this is a must-play for you, Ben. All-Star MVP Mike Piazza spends nine innings destroying his hair. Oh, yeah. By the way, he's clearly wearing a Dodgers uniform in this, so sorry, guys. And 90 seconds bringing it back with Pert Plus. More than a shampoo. It conditions, too. How? As you shampoo, the conditioners stay suspended. Then as you rinse, the conditioners go to work, giving you great hair simply. Perfect for Mike, because he wants great hair, but he'd rather be living in it than working on it. Wouldn't you? Pert Plus. Simply great hair. Simply. All right, Ben. Oh, man. Well, guys, podcasting is a visual medium. <laughs> I, I don't think it was lost on anybody tuning in that that was a hilarious haircut. <laughs> it's the mulletist. Yeah. Like, if if you just picture, like, the silky smoothest mullet, like the most business casual mullet yes. you could possibly think of. And also a porn stash to to yeah. really complete the picture. And he, yeah. um, it's got volume. Yeah, it really does have volume. This man, there was a one of the dads when I played ice hockey as a kid, name of Keith, had like this exact hair, and uh, it it was just a thing in the nineties. <laughs> that is definitely there was just a, a type of guy cut. that was like, nope. The 80s aren't over, man. Right, you still wear bullets. Because I feel like there was a lot of, of mullet shaming in the 90s, but there was just like, there were people, there were men who, that was the, I guess that was the hair they were wearing when they got laid, and God damn it, they're going to just stick, you know, dance with the one that brung you. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Okay, uh, Ben. I know we're out of time with you, but can you? Can I just squeeze out like a nut? <laughs> Sorry. Crazy. <laughs> we just, okay, squeeze another, uh, let's say, um, two minutes out of you, because there's one uh, commercial that I wanted to play that was not on your list, but I need your perspective on it. Is that okay? Can you give me two more seconds? Lay it on me. Okay. This is uh, for apparently a local radio station in your neck of the woods growing up called K-O-I-T. Do they call it Coit? <laughs> yeah. K-O-I-T. What is that last song at the end? It's driving me crazy. Oh, I don't know. Can I, I just go back? We, if a listen, maybe a listener can help us with this. K O I T, light rock, less talk. Listen, I can't, it's driving me crazy. Whatever that song is at the end. When I was, uh, when this would have been live on TV, I would have hated everything about it. And now I just want to <laughs> curl up in that radio station. Like I want to yeah. get. A nice blanket, sit on the couch, and just listen to Coit for three hours. Well, they basically hours. describe it as being like your tonight pants. Yes. And that's like in the commercial. It's soft and comfortable. Were you a Coit fan? Yeah, like I, this was a, a radio station that I feel like their their pitch for a long time was like, play it at work. Like, yes. this is music that everybody in the office will be okay with, I guess. Yes. Now, Wait. do you have any idea what their deal is today? Uh, I don't. I um you know, I haven't lived in the Bay Area in yeah. 16 years or something. But, I am uh, looking it up. They're, they still exist. I have no idea if they're the same format. I have a... Can I do a live stream here? I think maybe. I just want to see what they're playing like right now <laughs> as, <laughs> as we speak. It seems speak. like they might be the kind of radio station that around this time just play Christmas songs. It seems that way. Unfortunately, it looks like their listen live stream is down. Which is a, a real bummer for us, <laughs> um, but it looks like the song that's playing right now is Vanessa Williams and Bobby Caldwell uh, singing "Baby, It's Cold Outside." So I was right. Um, when you go to their <laughs> schedule, they have Nick and Kristen in the morning. By the way, so, Vanessa Williams was one of the artists featured in that ad. So yes, look how right. far we've come. <laughs> look how far she's, Vanessa she's Williams has She's got a long uh, relationship with KOIT. <laughs> wow. Anyway, I, I hope that if you're ever back home, you will crank up the coit for those of us who can't. <laughs> <laughs> crank up the coit is a good tagline for that radio. <laughs> it is. Station. Also, I recommend the movie Christmas with the Coits, which is another uh, a seasonal favorite. All right, sure. Ben, I'm not trying to give you the bum's rush, but I'm just, I know that you have somewhere to be. So I know, I'm it's stressing me be... out that you're late for your dinner reservation, so we want to let you go. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'll catch I'll catch the uh, the listener mail segment when I listen to the podcast later. Okay, thanks, man, and good luck with all your projects, and people can check out the new podcast soon, right? Yeah, Friendly Fire is coming uh, out on the Maximum Fun Network on January 12th, and uh, I'm really excited about it. I hope if you're, if you're interested in war movies or history or fart jokes or <laughs> some combination thereof. Or John Roderick. Yeah. Or there Ben Harrison. Or Adam Granica. Yeah. Don't forget to listen to <laughs> The Greatest Generation. It's uh, so fun. I look forward to it every week. And... Um, it was almost enough, and also you're doing. Are you still doing uh, Star Trek Discovery, the new the new show? We are, yeah. The when when that comes back in January, I believe we will be we will be making that show as well. So I, we're gonna have a busy beginning of the year. I don't want to pay the money that you have to pay to watch that show because ABC set it up so weird. But it was a close <laughs> call for me purely because of your podcast. I know we should, we really should have gotten paid a bounty by, yes. uh, by uh, CBS or whatever for all the people that That's right, CBS. we inspired to sign up. <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks, Ben. Have a great dinner, and we'll check the uh, the old mailbags without you. Okay, later, guys. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words saying Only the echoes of my mind 
right, Veeves, what do we have for emails, emails, or the like? Well, I'm going to keep it real short, but I really had to get to this one because I was so uh, charmed by it. It was a real, uh, you know, gene moment for me. <laughs> uh, I love I love it when I, when I get surprised by something or someone spots something uh, in a commercial that we missed the first time around. Last week, we talked about that Samsung ad for uh, that, that takes direct aim at the new iPhone and tells the story of a man who has grown up getting every new iPhone and always being in the line to get the iPhone, but it's been increasingly a disappointing experience. He finally transitions to getting a Samsung to be like his girlfriend. And as he walks by the new the line for the new iPhone 8, he sees a sort of hipster looking but ultimately not cool looking guy standing there waiting in line and he kind of like you know yeah like the line superior the line for uh people waiting to get their latest apple products or iphone in particular has like dwindled by this point like there's still some diehard fanboys yeah yeah well something that we didn't notice and i wouldn't have ever noticed it probably because i didn't know that this was even a thing but that listener ray noticed um is that there is one last subtle dig at the Sam- that Samsung takes at Apple in their newest commercial, the one we talked about. The unpopular cosmetic choice to have the iPhone bezel block the top of the screen is mimicked in the iPhone uh, sheeple's hairline, the, this, this hipster guy that's in the line. So the bezel, if you're not familiar with form factor jargon. Because I'm not. You know, when we were talking about this the other day, I thought you were saying bevel, which is why I was getting so confused. What is a bezel? I think the bezel, and this is, I'm a little out of my depth here, but I think the bezel is essentially just anything that's like the edge around the glass on the phone. Okay. And he's right that the new iPhone 8 has this like sort of notched out shape that is at the top of their iPhone. I don't know if there's a utility to it. I don't know anything about it. Here, the the internet tells us it is the grooved ring holding the glass or plastic cover of a of an instrument in position. Or, or like a, used on watch faces. Bezel. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, internet. Um, and it's true. And if you and I will I will use this as our as our picture today. Well, maybe I won't. I kind of think we should use Mike Piazza's hair. Yeah, Mike Piazza's hair is pretty pretty fantastic. Well, anyway, um, go to our Facebook page because Ray posted it. Um, The guy who we see waiting in the line has very, very short black hair, kind of like um, like very close to his skull, and it's cut in a high bang on his forehead, and it has like two notches out of the sides on either side Uh of the bang. And then you see in the background the iPhone picture on the wall on the like glass door of the ice of the apple store and it's got the same shape in the bezel Uh and it's just a funny little dig at fanboys and dig at at something that apparently has been unpopular because i guess it sort of like decreases the amount of visibility on the screen Uh, i'm not sure what the issue with the bezel is but i love i love little details like that it is one of my it's just a joy to me when someone like puts puts that little that that attention to detail into something that probably won't be noticed by 99.9% of the people watching sure. it, you know, yeah. but they took the time. And that commercial is just good on so yeah, many levels. It really and is. then when you know that there's like these little tiny easter eggs in it, yet also as a like from a macro level, we really like it cuz it's on point. It it tells a very specific narrative that, but it never strays from what it wants you to take yeah, away. It's, a, it's never confusing. It's emotional, but also like logical and compelling. Yes, yeah. and then you get down to the micro level, and you find out that oh, it just also has this great attention to detail. Yes. Like somebody who somebody was paying attention. Would you say that's got to be at least as far as you and I are concerned, one of the top commercials of 2017? I, I love it. Yeah, I think it's I extremely mean, successful. It's not like a big like flashy commercial that's going to get tons of attention necessarily. Right. There's nothing particularly groundbreaking about it. It's a strategy that Samsung has uh, employed before uh, in making fun of the people who the the, the iPhone sheeple. And I, and this is no shade of people. I know every. I know most of our listeners probably have iPhones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a great strategy as a marketing. Um, from a marketing point of view. Yeah. And so many times we talk about commercials on the show, whether it's a 1997 commercial for Eddie Two Times <laughs> and, and McDonald's <laughs> or even a modern commercial where I think it even happens more and more now because people are just trying to 
create wacky commercials mm-hmm. that are like entertainment so people well, will actually there's so pay much attention. noise you got to break through yes but everybody's emphasis on breaking through has made a lot of commercials just not just nonsensical but they they're straying so far away from their mission which is telling the story about this product or service in a way that makes me want to buy it instead of just kind of like is that guy pulling uh what's the word i'm looking for um candy zits off of his face although i don't think that's a great example because i think skittles has sort of owns the space of weirdness yeah but i will say that we we've often said hey this feels like a joke in like a a joke film in search of a product Mm -hmm. where yeah i felt like somebody some advertiser had this idea sitting around kicking around in an envelope in a in a you know notebook somewhere and then they thought we can apply this to dog food or whatever yeah boy i wish i had Written it down, and I can just cut this out if I can't think of it. But there is a commercial that is airing right now that drives you and I nuts, and I feel like we've talked about it a lot because it just—it seems like a good commercial, but then it gets to the end, and you're like, "Why are you? This you, isn't ringing a bell for it's you." It's not. Huh? I'm sorry. No, it's not. I mean, I, I'm the one who took us here. Oh dang! What is this? Just like you—you you almost make the sell, but then at the end, you just like go in the opposite direction, and they never sell anyway. I'll, I'll... Well, there's one that's really been driving us crazy, which is the one with um, Danny Trejo and um, the guy who's buying. He's like a cla- he's like a craft beer nerd, right? That might be the one. I'm. Well, this is maybe a different thing I'm talking about, but yes, you're right. This is a, drives me nuts. This is a terrible commercial. Um, the there there's and it, and it actually it fits really well with what I was saying, like a joke in search of a pitch. Mm-hmm. Because the 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 story is a somewhat unappealing looking guy comes up to a bartender and orders a beer, but he has all these specifications. It has to taste like leather, but not shoe leather, belt leather, and I want it to have piney overtones and you know, just like total over the top beer nerd. And I mean, hating on beer nerds, I don't think it's super original, but it is a it's a point of view, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that Budweiser with their stupid dilly dilly campaign mm-hmm. has, has capitalized on that. And I think it's like a legitimate strategy, right? So he orders this, this dumb guy orders this dumb beer and then turns away. And Danny Trejo, the actor who's like a tough guy actor, a heavy, as your dad would say. Yeah. Um, he always plays a heavy. <laughs> he, uh, he turns to camera and says, if you can be picky with your beer, why wouldn't you be picky with your television? And I think it's either for a cable provider. It's for some like weird new boutique yeah. kind of like internet TV Internet channel, TV, I think. right. Yeah. Who knows? Some some TV provider, some sort of TV-like provider. But that doesn't... First of all, Danny Trejo is a weird person to cast in that. And although I think he's perfectly understandable, normally he really... His accent doesn't works against him here and mm-hmm. they have him say the line too quickly. Um, and also sling TV it's for what the F you just spent 10, you just spent 30 seconds making this beer snob guy out to be a total dingbat. Now he's your proxy for you. The, the, the person who wants to be picky about TV, like you're not supposed to identify with the beer nerd. At least Budweiser understands that. Yeah. At least Budweiser puts the beer nerd in the dungeon. I'm pretty sure this is the commercial I was thinking of. Uh, it Because I think it kept tricking me. I think the first five times I saw it, I'm surprised <laughs> that at the end I'm like, oh, wait, you gave us a character that is clearly hateable and I'm not supposed to identify with. And then at the end it turns out, oh, that's that character me. was the stand-in for me? Let's take a listen <laughs> oh, to no, this. Oh, no, that's me. Oh, no. <laughs> I was the beer snob. Looking for a microbrew. No, nanobrew. With hints of chocolate and leather, not shoe leather, like a belt, a barrel aid. If you can get picky with your beer, not why not get picky with your TV? Introducing a la carte TV, only from Sling. Started Man, I thought it was a TV network, by the way. I thought it was like a... What was that network that the um, comedians uh, started about two years ago and then it failed about six months ago? Oh, CISO? CISO. I thought it was like a CISO-y kind of thing. But yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm talking about where somebody has kind of an idea for a funny commercial that they want to make, but it works against what you're trying to do. Also, memo to all the ad wizards, making fun of beer snobs, it's over. It's yeah. already over. Like if that's what's on your drawing board, by the time you get it to market, it's done. You can sell anything. Buzzle. <laughs> you can sell anything. 
bezel. Oh, just mixing it live. Yeah, right all right. Show. Look at you, girl talk. <laughs> all right, girl, you talk. <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with us at the uh, Facebook group, which is After These Messages Show on Facebook. You can email us at After These Messages Show at Gmail. And please don't forget to call us. Um, I apologize. I was in a little bit of a rush today and I did not have a chance to go through all of our emails. So please keep sending in the jingles that you can call us at 607 444 5597. Yeah, if you happen to be a new listener tuning in to hear Ben, we've been asking listeners to uh, call the voicemail line again, 607 444 and just sing any commercial jingle that is stuck in your head. For most people, it's a jingle from their youth. For me, if I were to call the voicemail line, which Genevieve says I'm no longer allowed to call the voicemail line, which doesn't seem fair to me, I would sing the old... Uh, I said if you stop posting the podcast, <laughs> you can call the voicemail line. You actually were trying to entice me. <laughs> said if you stop posting the podcast with me, I'll let you call the voicemail line. Uh, I, was, I would have done the Toys R Us jingle yeah. from my youth. So uh, if you leave us a jingle, there's a very real possibility we will play it on the show. 607 Four 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 five five nine seven. We're at a, uh, uh, a function, a brunch this weekend, and uh, one of the people there uh, is somebody who listens to this show. I'm Carol. I'm not. I'm not outing her. I don't know why. I don't think she cares. I'm not outing her. But uh, it's she, Mia. Hi, Mia. <laughs> she mentioned the jingle <laughs> thing. Next thing you know, there's like four of us standing in the kitchen at this fundraising brunch, singing jingles to <laughs> each other. It's definitely contagious. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Vives. Thanks to. Uh, Ben Harrison for joining us today. Check out his podcast. And for the rest of you guys, we'll talk to you next Tuesday.